0: Mark eleven twenty three 23 has been the guiding verse for this whole series. For assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's a bold statement. That is a very bold statement. It's one of the boldest statements Jesus made in Scripture. That if you believe in your heart, if you believe in your heart and you ask in prayer, you'll have whatever you say. If we lived like we believe that, it would shift everything. Amen? If we, be- if we lived like we believe that verse, it would shift everything. Well, let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, Paul is making an argument to the Galatians not to go back to the Jewish law. That's the whole book of Galatians. He's making this argument not to go back to the Jewish law. Because if you look at it, the the Galatians were being lulled or pulled back into the old Jewish law by teachers who were traveling around in those days, and we call them Judaizers. They were trying to get them back to Judaism. And so Paul comes, and he's like, who's who's bewitched you into believing this stuff? Who's fooled you? If you began in the Spirit, continue in the Spirit. He said, Don't you know that I came to you through faith and the working of miracles? And you received all that by faith. And if you received it by faith, why are you going back and trying to fulfill the law of Moses? And so he really, it's a really hard letter if you read the book of Galatians through. It's a hard letter. And then he's making this argument don't go back to the law, but continue in faith. Continue in faith. Continue, everything's going to come by faith. And then he says this, this nugget in verse 5, the verse 6 of chapter 5. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Okay, he's, this is against the law. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. But faith working through love. And I think it's interesting that he just threw that in, not just by faith, but by faith working through love. Come on, say it with me. Not just by faith, but by faith working through love. Now one more verse and then I'm going to start breaking down the biblical theology of faith here. Numbers or rather Romans 13:12 or 13:10 rather. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. This is Paul's writings too. And again here he's coming he's he's speaking to the Jews specifically in chapters 9 and 10 of Romans and here's what he's saying. And this really blessed me and it helped me this week that if we really walked in love as we should because Jesus said what's the greatest of commandments love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, let's go through that again. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. So what if we fulfilled that commandment? If we could love God with everything in us and love our neighbors as ourselves, we wouldn't need any laws. I wouldn't want to kill anybody because I would love my neighbor as myself. I wouldn't want to commit adultery because I love my neighbor as myself. I wouldn't want to lie on someone because I love my neighbor as myself. I wouldn't want to steal anyone's goods because I love my neighbor as myself. I wouldn't want to bear false witness because I love my neighbor as myself. I wouldn't want to worship any other gods because I love my God more than anything. I wouldn't want to take his name in vain because I love him more than anything. I wouldn't want to break the Sabbath law because I love him and his commandments more than anything. Where there's a lack of love, there has to be legalism. Where there's a lack of love, there has to be a lot of laws. And when we lose that effect of love and the guiding principle of love in our lives, we have to just keep piling on the laws. That's what happens now. We just keep legislating stuff from state state legislatures and Congress. Just keep throwing the laws on us. Keep throwing the regulations on us. Why? Because we're not walking in perfect love. Wow. Preach on, brother Hunt. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, you know it's true. (laughs) Walk in love. Jesus said all of the law can be wrapped up in this. All of it. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. Okay, so let me peel all this back. Since this is the last of this series, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at you. In the Bible, there's something we know as saving faith. That is, there's a faith that brings about salvation in our lives, right? We've been talking about it here for four weeks. There's a faith that brings about salvation in our lives. And I'm going to get to back, I'm going to circle back around to love, but let me work through this theology of faith right quick, and then we'll get back to love. First of all, this, this saving faith breaks out into three different ways. There are three different components of faith. First of all, to have faith, you must have knowledge. To have faith, you must have knowledge. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the So, but without faith, Hebrews 11:6, 6, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. John chapter 8 verse 24, therefore I said to you that you will not die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, Jesus said. There's a component here of knowing something. So faith begins with a knowledge, and then secondly, faith goes into belief or assent. That is, knowledge isn't good enough alone, but you must actually believe. In the knowledge that you've gained. John 2, 22. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples, or 22, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, that they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. They looked back on the content of knowledge they had gained from Jesus, and when he rose from the dead, they believed it all. So knowledge went over into belief or assent. And then the final step is trust. You know, you believe, and then you trust. And trust gets into a conviction. Romans chapter 4, verse 5, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. We trust in God, and it's accredited to us as righteousness. So coming to church and hearing messages is not enough. Reading the Bible is not enough. There are many scholars who know the Word better than you and I and have no faith. Matter of fact, some are against the faith and know the Scriptures better than you and I. What it takes is knowing it, believing it, and then having a conviction of it in your heart. That's true faith. Knowing, believing, and being convinced of it. Not a maybe, hope so, wish so, it's a no-so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a no-so. Look at your neighbor again and say, it's a a no-so. I told you so. Three divine acts of faith. Faith breaks out in three divine acts. First of all, by faith we are justified. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justification is a legal act that declares you innocent before God. Amen. And so when you come to Him by faith, knowing, believing, trusting in, He declares you innocent and your slate is wiped clean in heaven. Your records are expunged in heaven. And now you are justified. I don't know if any of y'all work with Word documents or work on computers and write in, in, in some form of Word document. But if you justify the text, it means all the straggling margins are made perfect and in a line. It's called justifying the text. God makes all of your straggly life come perfectly in line. Come on. Y'all should have shouted on that and ran around the parking lot, but I'm going to keep going. If you realize what God had done for you and justified you, that you're not the person you used to be. All All that was against you before is no longer against you. Well, hallelujah. Second thing that comes as an act of faith is sanctification. We are sanctified by faith. We are sanctified by faith. The old holiness teachers understood this. That sanctification wasn't just a work of the flesh. I mean, you do have to put away the old man, but you can't put him away till you get in it. you got to get in it by faith. It takes faith to get in the work of sanctification because when you come to God, then He starts this process in your life of breaking sin off of your life, and there's a breach now between you and the life of sin you used to live. John Murray, who was a Calvinist, wrote this about he called definitive sanctification. He said, So intimate is the union between Christ and His people that they were partakers with Him in His death and resurrection, and therefore died to sin, rose with Christ in the power of His resurrection, and have their fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. The decisive and definitive breach with sin that occurs at the inception of of the Christian life is one necessitated by the fact that the death of Christ was decisive and definitive. It is just because we cannot allow for any compromise on the doctrine that every believer has died to sin and no longer lives under its dominion. Sin no longer lords it over him. To equivocate here is to assail the definitiveness of Christ's death. Likewise, the decisive and definitive entrance upon the newness of life is the case of every believer is required by the fact that the resurrection of Christ was decisive and definitive. What is he saying? He's saying when you came to Christ, there was a distinctive break with the old life. There was a distinctive breach with the life of sin before. That happened by faith. You didn't come to church with all of your sin and all of your mess and saying, I'm going to spend 40 prayer wheels and I'm going to earn sanctification. Or I'm going to give $20,000 to the church and I'm going to earn sanctification. Or even, I'm going to go through an eight-week class and earn sanctification. Or might I even say, I'm going to join Fountain of Life Church. And earn, no, sanctification comes through a definitive act of the Holy Ghost. By faith. You open the door by faith and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. Justify me and sanctify me and break the power of sin off my life. It comes by faith alone. One of the most effective rehabilitation ministries in the world has been Teen Challenge, developed by David Wilkerson. And I knew someone who was in that organization, and they said, you know, you have all these programs, and God bless the 12-step programs and all this, but he said David Wilkerson had one step, Jesus, because he knew if Jesus could get a hold of these guys, these hardcore gang members in New York City, if Jesus could get a hold of them, he could set them free. I believe the same thing, hallelujah, 12 steps are good, discipleship is great, we have to have it, amen, but the beginning point is the door of faith you walk through, saying God, sanctify me, cleanse me, you don't have to pray to the saints, you don't have to read certain rote prayers, you don't have to go through a bunch of religious rigmarole, you have to come to God in faith alone, and he can change you inside out, 110 percent Black made white, washed in red blood. Black soul, washed in red blood. Come out, Chris. Totally white. Someone shout amen. Third act that happens because of faith is then you're adopted into the family of God by faith. You're justified by faith, sanctified by faith, adopted into the family of God by faith. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6.18, I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Galatians 3.26, for you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So now our faith has brought us into the family. My knowledge, belief, and trust has brought me into the family of God. And now He's taken hold of my life and He has become my heavenly Father. He broke the spirit. He broke that spirit of poverty off me, that spirit of loneliness off of me. He broke off that spirit of abandonment off of my life. And now I've been rescued into the family of God. I have a friend that pastors in Goldsboro, a wonderful brother, and um, I've preached for them uh, a few times in the past, and we're friends. His name is Bill Rose. And Bill was raised in foster homes, and he, and he said he went to this one foster home, and he was taken in, and he saw that the, the lady of the house had a cookie jar. So when no one was looking, he went and stuffed his pockets full of cookies. And said she came in, and she basically asked him, Why did you do that? And she followed up with this. Why did you do that? Because they're there for you. They're yours. It changed his life. So later on, he said, years later, that that lady passed away, and the family called. And the family said, Bill, would you like anything from the house? You know, mama's passed away. He said, I just want the cookie jar. So he keeps it in his office. And everyone who becomes a member of his church, he sets them down and tells them that story and basically says now that you're part of our family, you're part of the family of God, that spirit has been broken off of you. Now you're no longer fatherless. You're now in part of the... And it all comes by faith. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You know, there's a fatherless generation out here today. And it's really a big part of the problem we're seeing in society today. We're just dealing with a fatherless generation. And I'd love to shout it from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial... You have a heavenly father who's better than any earthly father could ever imagine being. Come on home. Hallelujah. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, shout it out. I am justified by faith. I'm sanctified by faith. And I'm adopted by faith. So faith has three components and it breaks out into three divine acts. And then it manifests itself in two ways I want to talk about. I could go, how long do y'all have today? Faith manifests in two ways. And this is, this is, this is the meat of the matter. First of all, it manifests in good works. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? But does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? They also Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I think what James is saying here is not that faith, not that works saves alone, but that faith is the thing that opens the door to the whole kingdom of God. But it will naturally manifest in good works. We're not saved by good works but we're saved by faith unto good works. Y'all, Somebody needs to write it down right now. Write this down. You're not saved by works, but you're saved unto good works. So if we see a believer who has no good works, I'm questioning whether they're saved or not. Well, I'm just a private closet Christian. There's no such thing. Sorry. There's no such thing. I just keep it all hidden. No, sorry. You got to let it shine. If you believe something, you got a conviction, you got to let it go. Come on, if you're a Harley man, you wear some Harley Davidson t shirts. Come on, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, we'll pray for you. But anyhow, you got to wear some Dallas t shirts. Hallelujah. Everybody who follows me on Facebook knows I have a hat I always hike with. And it says Kentucky, right on it. Because I want the world to see, that's my alma mater. It's where I went. I've been a fan since birth. So whether they do good or bad, I'm not a fair weather fan. Whether they do good or bad, I'm still a fan. If they beat North Carolina or lose to North Carolina, I'm still a fan. And y'all remember what persecution I have endured over that down here. One year, Carolina beat us in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament, and the guys turned the screen behind me all Carolina blue with the score during the offering. But I'm not bitter over these things because I'm not walking in bitterness or unforgiveness. Can somebody shout amen? Watch my point. If it's in you, if you're a fan, you're going to let it be known. If the kingdom's in you, it's got to come out. If you believe it, if you believe something, it's got to show in your actions and in your words and in your belief system. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. If you, James said this. He said, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble. Not to look a certain way. He didn't say go to synagogue every Saturday. No, he said pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in the trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You got it. So so, uh, last Sunday, Dana and I, we went home, rested a bit, then went to see Sound of Freedom at the theater. And we knew it was Jim Caviezel's movie. I'm a big Jim Caviezel fan because he basically threw his career in Hollywood away because he played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. And he was taken off the A-list of Hollywood. Good for him. Good for him. But... You know, our, our, the EVUSA team in the Pentecostal Holness has worked with sex trafficking victims, and I know two places in, the, in our denomination that works with sex trafficking victims, and it's a real deal. But anyhow, there's, a, there's an American hero named Tim Ballard who's been doing this and rescuing sex trafficking victims all over the world for many years. A lot of ex-military work with him, and God bless them. But what got me was he, he said, we must have Jim Caviezel play this part. So Jim Caviezel is a devout Catholic. He said, we must have him play this part. And the, the, the Hollywood up up said, no, we don't want him. He said, no, we will have him. So they went and got Jim Caviezel. And he said he went with Tim Ballard on a rescue mission down in Columbia. And he saw videos of children being abused. And he said, I heard their screams. And he said, I couldn't sleep for two years. I couldn't sleep for two years. And I heard a clip of him just yesterday that my daughter had sent me. And he said, if if y'all hear I've died, I didn't commit suicide. And he said, y'all can come after me all you want to. But my life is not my own. And I'll gladly give my life for this. I thought, there's a man who believes something. And it's now working out in his actions in his life. Because how can we hear something so heinous and not do something? Wait, I thought I was preaching to uh, to a bunch of Holy Ghost people here. How can we believe something and remain silent over stuff? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I saw there was racial division in this town. So I started a conference called Breaking Barriers. And I brought two prominent African-American bishops into this pulpit. And I'm telling you, the, year, the first year we started it, they came to this pulpit. And when they preached something, I felt something change in the city. I felt something change in the city. Because if we believe something, I'm, I'm off on a some stump right now, but if we believe something, we, we need to do something. And then after that, I started getting called into reconciliation meetings and everything, and I'm like, why am I here? I didn't sign up for this, but I realized it's because we did something. And I started preaching our church as a church for all people. It's the way I see it in the Bible. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no male or female in the kingdom. There is no There is no bond or free. Everybody, if you're in the kingdom, you're a new citizen. You've got a new race. You're one man in Christ now. So why don't let's preach that? And same thing with Caviezel's movie the other day. It wrecked me, man. It really wrecked me. And I thought, here's a man who's letting love work out in his life through good works. Letting it work out in his life through good works. Letting it work out in his life through good works. Letting it work, Let it work out in your life through good works. I thought of Nehemiah. Y'all hang with me a few minutes. I thought of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king in a foreign country. Captive with the captives of Israel. And then when he heard that his home nation was in despair and that the walls of the city that protected the city of Jerusalem had been knocked down and they were just in rubble, his heart... Wore him out. He's one of those guys, I think, who couldn't sleep at night. And it, it gave him the boldness to come before the king and said, King, I have a request. I've heard about more. The king looked at him and said, Why are you so down? What's your problem? And he says, How can I be happy when my home country is in the condition it's in? Send me. I'm I'm a am a butler. But I'll take on the job of being a leader that commands the forces of God to go and rebuild the city. And he did exactly that. His faith got down and his convictions got down in him to where he surrendered his his life and his evidently good job. And he went and risked his life. That's when you know you believe something. When you're willing to give your life for it. Faith manifests in good works. Final thing, and I've come all this way to get us back to this. Faith manifests in love, ultimately. It ultimately comes out in love. Listen to to Romans chapter 13 from the Amplified. Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. I want you to look, I want to do something here, an experiment here this morning. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified version because it kind of, you know, Amplified is the guitar player's version, they say. (laughs) It, it, It amplifies things. Anyhow, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intellectual, spiritual devotion such as inspired by God's love for us, I am only a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, that's God's love in me, I am nothing. I am a useless nobody. So he's he's talking about spiritual gifts. If you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it's all about spiritual gifts. 13 is the apex of the discussion about spiritual gifts. Because if you have not love, He's making this argument. If I don't move in love, spiritual gifts aren't worth a flip. It doesn't matter if I come in as the greatest prophetic voice in the nation. If I can't love people, I need to sit down and shut up. It doesn't matter if I'm the greatest faith healer walking the planet. If I can't do it and be motivated out of love, I might end up hurting more people than I'm actually healing. Hallelujah. And if I can speak in tongues of men and angels, and I do daily, but if I can't walk in, in love, what good is it? I'm exercising a spiritual gift but it takes love. Then he comes down and he says in verse 3, Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, if I surrender my body to be burned, so if, I, if I'm wealthy and I'm giving everything I have, but if I don't have love, it's useless. Or if I become a martyr, if I give my body to be burned in order that I may glory, so I'm getting glory out of this, it doesn't do any good. Love endures long and is patient and is kind That term patient in Greek is makrothumia, which means it suffers long. The King James nailed it, I think. Love suffers long and is kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. So if you're a true person of faith, love should be emanating through every pore of your being. And you don't have to come in and brag on yourself because you're a love man. You're a love woman. The Bible says let somebody else brag on you. If you're a love man or a love woman, you're patient and kind toward people. You're not a jerk. I got tired of Christian jerks a long time ago. That's why I seek to bless everywhere I go. We go to a restaurant, I'm seeking to bless the person who's waiting on me. We go someplace, we're seeking to bless the person. Valet's our car, talk, we're seeking to bless somebody. I'm seeking to bless. I can't wait till Doug gets here. I'm gonna sew into his ministry. I'm waiting to bless somebody. Come on, somebody, shout Amen. I want to bless. A love, a love man blesses. Love woman blesses, right? You are walking blessing. Well, hallelujah. Verse 5, it is not conceited. It's not arrogant. It's not inflated with pride. It's not unrued or unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, that is God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy. Or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes and its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out. It never becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Prophecy will end. There's going to be a day we won't need to prophesy anymore because now we prophesy and and impart, we know impart, and we see us through a glass darkly, Paul said. So when we prophesy, God gives us glimpses of things. And they're awesome. But one day when He returns, we're not going to need that anymore. He even said knowledge. Think about how much we've pursued knowledge in this life. When He comes, not going to need it anymore. Gordon Fee, the great New Testament scholar, said it this way. He said, at night you need the streetlights. But when the sun rises in the morning, all the streetlights look really dim and they're they're no longer needed. So when Jesus the Son returns... We're not going to need these. We're walking in these now. Okay, but what what is the point he's making? He says, for our knowledge is fragmentary. It's incomplete and imperfect. And prophecy is fragmentary. It's incomplete and imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the incomplete and perfect will vanish away he says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. And he talks about growing up. And he says, we look through a mirror uh, that only, is only dim now. It's blurred. It's a reflection of reality. But then we shall see in reality and face to face, to, face to face. And then he comes down to his conclusion. He says, so faith, hope, and love abide. Faith is the conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope is joyful and confident expectation and eternal salvation. And love is the true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. He says these are the things that will never pass away. Amen. Tongues are going to go away. Prophecy is going to go away. Knowledge is going to go away. But brother, faith, hope, and love are going to be here with us always. Amen. Even into eternity. So if you're a man of faith or a woman of faith, let it manifest in love. Let it manifest in love. So how can we walk in this? How can we walk in this? I I I, I think we really need to watch our hearts. If we want to walk in, in the true favor of God and walk in all He has for us, I think we need to make sure all bitterness is out. I think we need to make sure all, all jealousy is out. I think we need to check our love tank. And see if it's full. Is my love tank full? Do I really have love for others? Am I really walking in love for others? Because I think that is the key to walking in God's blessing and walking in peace in this life. Do I love others as I should? Do I love others as Jesus said I should? Do I love God perfectly and love people without offense? 1 Timothy 1, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause dispute rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. This is what Paul is telling Timothy, the reason you've been given this word, the reason I'm giving you these instructions is that you can love people. Don't put up with false doctrine, he said. Don't put up with arguments in the church. Love people. Love them day in, day out. Love them on Monday like you love them on Sunday. Turn off the television when it gets you fired up over a bunch of garbage that is just endless disputes. I just yeah, yeah and I, I'm not gonna go down that road. I listened to a few news outlets, and that's it. The rest of it, I just, I just turned off years ago because it just worked me up. And you get fighting mad over nothing. At least I did lay hands on a few politicians. I just walk up to the TV and lay hands on them in Jesus' name. And Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Or walk up, I mean, come on. But then I thought, what good is that? I want, I want to walk in love. I want to be ready to minister to anybody. I want to be able to walk in 7 Eleven and have a pure heart toward people. I want to go down to Walmart. If I see somebody in need, I want to be able to walk up to them and not worry about anything. Not, you know, because Have you ever been there and you're like, want to talk to somebody about Jesus? But you're thinking, oh Lord, what have I done? God, I got to go get right i got to go fast and pray for four or five days before I can speak. No, you don't live like that. Just get the love tank full. Be a love man. Be a love woman. Walk in that love all the time. Pull up to Walmart and think, I am going to get groceries, but I also might get a soul out of this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am going to get some gas at 7-Eleven, but I might be able to help somebody out or give them an encouraging word. I want to go to work today, and there's a few not-so-lovey people that work around me. But I'm going to be the difference maker today. I'm going to show up and love some people, and I'm going to love them so much, they're just going to have to deal with it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Because I'm a faith man. I'm a man who believes in God. And if we really believe in God, then let it come out in good works. Let it manifest in faith. Let it ooze out of your life. Let Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in good works. Walk in good works. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in good works. Walk in good works. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. Can somebody shout amen? Hallelujah. 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 I'll close with this story. I was, I'm sitting here thinking about William Carey. William Carey back in the 1700s was a British shoe cobbler. But he had a love for people in his heart. And so he wanted to go to India and be a missionary. And this is like he's considered the father of modern missions. So this is like no one was doing it. So he goes to his church and he asked if they will support him, and they had such a theology. They responded and they said, "My Lord, Mr. Carey, if God wants to save the heathen, surely He can do it without our help." That was their theology that had corrupted them. So what did he do? He went to another church, <laughs> who would send him out, and he went out and he became a, a he really is the founder and forerunner of modern missions in the world because he had a love for people and he wanted to go change some people's lives. And then I hear revisionist historians write on this stuff and they talk about the you know imperialist Americans and their missionary uh, escapades, which is to take over nations. I, I, I've been with missionaries. I've, I've stayed with them. We got some in this church sitting with us this morning. They've given their lives on the field. That Brothers and sisters, they did that out of love, man. They did it out of love. We love people. If you have faith, show me your love for somebody. If you have faith, show me your love. I made a decision a few years ago to host a funeral here for a young man who was killed in our area. And I I prayed about it and I talked to my bishop about it and it was a difficult decision because I knew there were people that left this church because of that. Um, But I prayed about it. And this was my conclusion, right or wrong. I said, Lord, if I err, I'm going to err on the side of love. Because I love this community. And I'm going to risk love here. And I think it paid off quite nicely. We, I don't know. I think it paid off quite nicely. <laughs> Can somebody shout amen? amen? Come on, let's stand. I want you to look at somebody, and this is going to be embarrassingly uncomfortable. But say, I don't care what anybody else says, I love you. (laughs) I could say, I don't care what my family says, I love you anyhow, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) If we err, we'll err on the side of love. Love. If we err, we err on the side of love. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You think back to Martin Luther King Jr. and his, his, his sermons, you know, it was a motivating theme is that uh, we, don't enc- we don't confront hate with hate. We confront hate with love because love absorbs it, embarrasses it, and calls it out. So think about that at your next Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> if you have some family members you want to choke out, just think, I'm going to encounter them with love. Because love counters hate and it calls it out and embarrasses it. What did Paul say? We'll heap coals of hot coals of fire on the person's head. By our actions, our actions of love. Oh, hallelujah. I stepped over into the weeds, but I don't regret it. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you praise. God, I thank you for this powerful little verse in Galatians 5 6 that faith works by love, and that we transform our lives and the lives of those around us by love. Come on, Father, right now, let love flow in our families. Let love flow in our marriage relationships. Let love flow with our kids. Let love flow with our communities. Let love flow in the decisions we make. Let love flow in our personal prayer life, Lord. Let love flow in this church. Let us be marked as a church that loves. As a church that loves in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, just just say, Lord, let that happen in my life right now. We're bringing back Harvest Fest this year. And I'll never forget, I think it was the second Harvest Fest we ever had. We made, a, we made it a, a rule that everything we did, we'd do free. And I remember the second year we did it out in this yard out here. And we're by the food tent and some families came up and looked at the food and looked at us. And they were thinking about the money involved. And we're like, it's all free. And you could see the shock come over their face. And we just started giving it away to the community. And God started giving to us. Then we started giving away, and God started blessing us. Then we started giving to world missions like crazy. God started blessing us like crazy. Paid everything off debt free. Hallelujah. Blessing evangelists. I can't wait till next week, I'm sowing into Doug's ministry. I can't wait, I'm sowing gift. Why? Because I want to be a love man. I want to be a love man you can tell by the way I walk my walk I'm a love man come on everybody bow your heads we're going to to pray Father in the name of Jesus Lord I pray for each one in here if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you Lord I pray you wake them up right now wake them up to the truth. Let I pray you let the love of God saturate them right now. Work on their heart right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if one person's in here who can say Pastor Hans, I need Jesus in my heart. I need Jesus in my life. I want all my sins forgiven. I want that justification you talked about. Would you pray for me? Well, if there's one person, just lift your hand. We're going to pray for you right where you stand. Right where you stand. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Come on, maybe there's others. Pray for me, Pastor, right where we stand. Come on, everybody pray this out loud. You, you, the Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that confession is made unto salvation. So let's pray this prayer. Come on, pray it out loud and, and pray it in faith. Father in heaven, forgive me of all sin. Wash me in your precious blood. I believe Jesus died for my sins. And He rose on the third day. And I boldly confess, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Now fill me with love, Lord. Replace everything else with love. And I give you thanks right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus in the name of jesus come on can we give the lord a praise in here this morning Hallelujah! Hallelujah! hey guys thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast and i hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing today jesus is the answer i can tell you he is the answer for your life i'd love to pray with you before we leave here so if you never accepted christ into your life or if you just have a need in your life Let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.